Lalo, THR here. What's going down, everybody? I hope you're doing fantastic on this kind of rainy Sunday afternoon here in sunny SoCal. Not so sunny, but wherever you may be, I hope it's that much more sunnier than it is here at the moment. Uh, today's episode is going to be a quickie. I'm going to run down AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday, and I'm also going to talk about AEW Revolution going down tonight. Um, I will have the match card and do a little predictions on each of the matches. And then finally, I'm also going to do a little talking boxing. We got uh, the Canelo saga continuing. Um, Canelo, whom I've lost a lot of respect for. And Ryan Garcia and his odd behavior at the press conference in Los Angeles leading up to the Devin Haney bout going down April 20th, I want to say, 420. Which is an interesting date, 420, given Garcia's behavior at the press conference. I think he uh, he indulges a little bit on that specific date, 420. Um, but nonetheless, before I get into the AEW stuff, I want to mention something that I, I completely forgot to talk about in the prior episode. And that is the fact that Monday Night Raw is jumping ship from the USA Network on to Netflix, the very first major wrestling company to offer streaming on their weekly TV show. Streaming on Netflix. And this is a unprecedented move for many reasons, not just because of the fact that it is the first weekly episodic how michael cole used to say the longest running weekly episodic television series in history but also because of the fact that you know wwe has a partnership to stream on peacock and yet instead of the monday night raw rights for streaming to be done on peacock they cut a deal with netflix instead which is very interesting to say the least I would have expected Peacock to be all in on that. But I suppose, given the amount of money Peacock has already spent to stream WWE's premium live events and all of their WWE network content on top of that, and also because I believe the Peacock deal is running out pretty soon. I want to say the the WWE... Uh, Peacock deal is going to run through 2026. So just about two more years to go on Peacock. And a lot of people are nervous um, that WWE is going to go back to the pay-per-view model of, of days old. You know what I'm saying? With pay-per-views, uh, you know, 70 bucks a month for WWE premium live events. That would not be good. Um, although I have read that there's a lot of different rumors that they're not going to charge for all of the pay-per-views. That only pretty much the the main, the big four, as they call them, which I believe are, of course, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series would be the four premium live events that you would actually pay for. While the rest of the pay-per-views would be put on ESPN Plus or something like that for free. Or Netflix, whoever whoever gets that deal. So I think that would be a much more sustainable model if they go that route. As opposed to charging, you know, fucking 70, 80 bucks a month for all of their pay-per-views. And I, I say that because I hope y'all realize that pay-per-views have gone up in price. 
I know AEW is still doing $50 pay-per-views like WWE used to do back in the day, but most other pay-per-views, I, I could tell you I'm a boxing fan. And later on, I'm going to do a little talking boxing with talking about Ryan Garcia's fight with Devin Haney. And I could tell you that's going to be an $80 pay-per-view. Boxing fights are like 80 bucks. Um, and you're, when you're talking about WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, it wouldn't surprise me if WWE went that route and, and charged 80 bucks for those big pay-per-views. It would not surprise me, especially if they're not going to be charging for their other collection of premium live events. So only time will tell, but... Uh, Let's just say that if WWE does go that route where they're going to start charging, you know, a month for all of their premium live events, no matter how much they cost, I could tell you right now, I'm not going to be ordering all their pay-per-views every single month. That's not going to happen. I mean, I know back in the day, I used to only order WrestleMania. That was the only pay-per-view I would actually pay for. Everything else, I would, uh, <laughs> I would find other means of accessing their content <laughs> okay um but wrestlemania was the one that i would pay for or i would beg my parents to pay for it um so i'm gonna go back to that <laughs> beg myself to pay for wrestlemania so that's big news um as far as raw going to netflix though like i said this bus opened the whole industry man uh with raw on netflix it's gonna bring a lot of eyes to WWE as well you know Netflix I know that streaming right now is kind of it's kind of iffy a lot of people are beginning to come to the conclusion that streaming is just like cable TV all over again it's not worth it because there's so many of them out there we got Netflix we got Peacock we got Paramount Plus we got HBO Max or or max discovery whatever they call it now we got hulu we got uh, i mean so many so many there's there's even more than that that i don't even remember but there's so many um and then we're talking about sports apps like espn plus i pay for an app called vix it's a spanish channel app to access all the soccer games of the Mexican Soccer League, Liga MX, I pay for that. And I only pay for that because I got a special deal where it cost me 40 bucks for the entire year. And I might actually have that shit for two years for 40 bucks, actually. I would have to look, look into that again. But nonetheless, the streaming space has become cluttered. It's become a nuisance, quite frankly. But with that said, Netflix is still the dominant force in streaming and it is the only streaming platform as far as i know that is actually profitable and not at a major loss like so many others disney plus is another big one see when i said major loss disney plus immediately came to mind because i i remember reading that disney plus was suffering major losses so yeah, man, Raw being on Netflix is a humongous deal for a multitude of reasons. WWE really won big with this move. And, you know, leading up to this move, everybody was speculating that WWE was in talks with WBD, which they were. Now we see why the deal didn't go through because they got an even better deal 
from Netflix. A billion dollar deal, guys. A billion dollar deals. They're going to be making $10 million over the course of 10 years. And at the five-year mark, I believe Netflix has the option to opt out if Raw isn't doing good for them. But it's going to do good. It's going to do good because, you know, Netflix, I believe it's time for Netflix to expand into the live TV model like a Fubo TV, like a YouTube TV, like a Sling. You know what I'm saying? Like a Hulu I think Netflix, I think it's time. I think it's long overdue, actually, that Netflix also adopts a live TV model. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Netflix has to become uh, strictly a live TV model. I think they should be like how Hulu did it, where Netflix could still be Netflix, but you pay a different price for all of their live channels. And I mean, think about it. Netflix itself is like a network, like a major TV network. I mean, the Netflix channel on their live TV channel lineup would be huge. Imagine Stranger Things and Love is Blind and and all their exclusive content streaming on the Netflix channel, you know, uh, uh, among their live TV packages that they have. I mean, that's big. That's money, if you ask me. And I think Netflix should... Pull the trigger and start pe- and, and get into that live TV model. I think it would work for them. Call it Netflix Live. Um, but that's just my opinion. But big ups, man. WWE, they're, they're making it happen right now. What can I say? I got a lot of backlash in my last episode. <laughs> I have lost interest in pro wrestling. I think a lot of listeners misconstrued that kind of clickbaity title and thought that I don't watch wrestling anymore. That's a lie. I still watch wrestling. I'm going to watch AEW Revolution tonight to see Sting take care, man, in his final matchup. I got to watch it. I can't miss it for the world. Um, And I'll get more in on that later. But nonetheless, speaking of AEW, let's go ahead and talk a little AEW Dynamite that popped off last Wednesday. The show opened up with Adam Page kind of doing a little heel turn and i don't know if this is a a permanent move because i know tony khan is so high on the millennial cowboy and you know being a big baby face but he kind of did a little heel turn you know uh looking like he was gonna show swerve some respect Samoa Joe would come out and kind of make fun of them clown on them for being buddy buddy with each other despite trying to kill each other and then Swerve uh, got blindsided by Adam Page, who was on crutches. He's totally fine. He's not injured. And he assaulted Swerve Strickland with the crutches. Now, this is a good example of if you're a wrestling fan who reads the dirt sheets and reads the wrestling news articles, um, wrestling is not very entertaining to watch. When you read those. Because we all knew that Adam Page was not legitimately hurt. There was an article that came out. There was a report, I believe, by one Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. Who claimed Adam Page was uh, not injured. But he was going to take time off due to a personal matter. Um, And clearly that is not the case after watching this segment. Adam Page is well, as we all knew. But... It seems as though he is going to be at Revolution. And we are going to have a triple threat match for the AEW world title. 
And it is kind of interesting. I'm not going to lie. It is kind of interesting. I've never been high on Adam Page. I got to be honest. I've never been high on Adam Page. As long as AEW Dynamite has been going now since 2019, Adam Page was always kind of the anointed one. You know, and he had that long two-year story, man, of trying to trying to beat Kenny Omega and win that AEW title. And it culminated when he did win the title in 2021, I believe it was. And uh, and he was doing it big, man. He was doing it big, but his title run, you know, wasn't very exciting. Because the excitement was to see him scratch and claw and finally get that big title win. But once he wanted, it was kind of like, mm, now what? Where do we go from here? It wasn't very eventful. But with that said, um, him being inserted into this triple threat match with Samoa Joe and Swerve is leading me to believe that Adam Page is <laughs> pretty much... Uh, just being used to take the pinfall because Swerve needs to win the title. I'm going to tell you right now, if Swerve does not walk out of Greensboro, North Carolina with the AEW championship, I ain't ever watching AEW again. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Not like that, but it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be really stupid because now is the time. And I know some some people, I heard some of the pundits say, oh, Samoa Joe is better than this. He doesn't deserve to hold the title for just a couple of months and then drop it. Like, bro, the only reason Joe got the title in the first place is because MJF was hurt. He was injured and he needed time off. And perhaps he still is hurt. I don't know. We don't have any update at all. On MJF, they even removed him from the roster page. It would be evident that he may no longer even be with the company. Of course, we know that's not the case, but that's how they're selling this this thing right now. So we likely won't get any updates on MJF. But all this to say, that's the only reason Samoa Joe won the title. He is a transitional champion. He took it off of MJF so MJF could go away and heal up, take a rest, take a breather. And the right man that should be the champ right now is in this main event. It's Swerve Strickland. That's the only answer. Can you imagine if they put the title right back on Adam Page? Or, or if Samoa Joe retains by choking out Adam Page. And that leads Swerve on a bigger chase against Joe to go one-on-one. -on -one. You know what? I could actually see that happening, actually. I could actually see that happening. But I guess this is all contingent on whether MJF is ready to come back or not. And if I was a betting man, I would bet that MJF is probably not ready to come back yet. And perhaps even if he is, now is not the time to bring him back quite yet because there should be a built-in storyline with Adam Page, uh, excuse me, with Adam Cole um, going after MJF and vice versa whenever MJF does come back. So we know the story. Adam Cole is definitely not ready to come back. He himself is legitimately on crutches, unlike Adam Page. And it's going to be a minute before we can see the devil and MJF go at it.
And I still can't get over how bad that devil reveal was, man. And um, I mean, the reveal itself wasn't bad, but just what we've come to. Look at look at Roddy Strong. Look at the kingdom. You know, Taven and all them dudes. They're just they're not appealing at all. I don't see them as a main event faction, as a big faction, NWO style faction. No. And I felt like this storyline should have been leading to a major main event style faction that's going to wreak havoc on the company and that's going to get all the championships until the righteous baby faces can step up to the plate and overthrow these overlords. But we didn't get that. Instead, we got a bunch of nerds coming out with giraffes, giraffe dolls and <laughs> dudes skinnier than me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. But nonetheless, that was the opening segment. We also got another match between the Blackpool Combat Club taking on Eddie Kingston and FTR. And I did not care about this. I'm going to be honest, guys. I, I just don't care. FTR have been squandered like crazy in AEW. Not used to their fullest potential in the slightest. As well as Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston has some kind of weirdo champion with the Continental Championship. The Continental Crown Championship. And what is he doing with that title? What have they done to make this title important? Well, the same question could be asked about the trios title. And what answer you're going to get is nothing. Because they've done nothing with either of these titles. I didn't care about this match. Of course, uh, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston will duke it out uh, uh, tonight on Revolution. And, and I, am, I am anticipating that match just because I love Eddie Kingston. And I love Brian Danielson that much more. And so it should be a good match. And I'll talk a little more about that later. But as far as Claudio and John Moxley taking on FTR, I just don't care, man. There's really nothing that compels me. To want to root for any of these guys besides Eddie Kingston, uh, but I it, it it wasn't enough for me to pay attention to the match and get invested into it. Um, the BCC defeated FTR and Kingston, so that's it's very clear then that at the pay per view Eddie Kingston is gonna beat Brian Danielson, and FTR are, or should beat the BCC, assuming that they even have a match at tonight's pay per view. I gotta review that card coming up but judging by the way FTR have been booked it, it wouldn't surprise me if if John Moxley just whoops on FTR both because he's like the final boss of AEW for whatever reason and FTR are just FTR and nothing else Orange Cassidy versus Nick Wayne another match I absolutely did not care about in the slightest of course, Orange Cassidy retained his, uh, I, I don't even know what title he has. <laughs> he retained the Orange Cassidy title, the international championship that he's never going to let go of. You know, um, Chris Thatlander, Sky Blue, another match I did not care about. I'm sorry, guys. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I don't care about any of these matches. I really don't. Um, Sky Blue, uh, she's very appealing. <laughs> she's very appealing, but it, not enough to make me truly invested in her matches. 
Atlantis Jr. took on Chris Jericho. This is a throwback match. Jericho, Lionheart came out. This is a throwback to his uh, Corazon Leon character in Mexico when he was doing it big as a youngster over there. Uh, Mexico, Japan, Canada. Jericho's been all over the place. And this match was boring. I'm going to be honest. This match was boring. But, but I did love to see this. And you love to see it because it's it's legends, man. Jericho and in a throwback against Lucha Libre wrestlers from back in the day. And I love the presentation, how he came out as Lionheart. That just added a nice chef's kiss to that. Um, of course, Jericho would whoop on Atlantis Jr., but hug his pops, you know, the Atlantis Sr., who was out there at ringside. And, you know, it was a nice nice little touch at the end. They all raised their hands up out of respect. And, you know, this CMLL partnership, I didn't, I never talked about it, but AEW does have a partnership with CMLL right now, which is surprising to me because I thought that they they actually had a partnership with AAA. Uh, but I guess they've, they've jumped ship. They switched sides. And now CMLL is uh, doing a big with AEW, man, which is interesting. You love to see it because... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so used to seeing the Japanese wrestlers get all the love. And Mexican wrestlers, Lucha Libre, they don't get any love. You know what I mean? And, and Lucha Libre has just as much of a prominent history in wrestling, if not more so, than, than the Japanese wrestlers. I mean, CMLL is the oldest wrestling promotion on earth. The oldest. You know, it was Mexican wrestlers who invented the moonsault. Who invented the camel clutch, among other maneuvers that have become staples in professional wrestling. But they give all the love to the Japanese wrestlers. They don't give no love to Mexican wrestlers until now. So I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see CMLL and AEW partnering up. And now there is uh, some reports going around that uh, CMLL is going to uh, have some representation at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, which is essentially gonna be the last forbidden door pay-per-view as well as per the reports that have been going around so that's kind of interesting um nonetheless the show would end with sting his final appearance on dynamite which i think is a lie i'm pretty sure sting will appear again at some point like even if he's just in the crowd watching um, I highly doubt this is legitimately his final quote-unquote appearance on Dynamite. But nonetheless, one thing I didn't touch on. The Young Bucks, Matt and Nicholas, uh, were you know shown throughout the show backstage with, with baseball bats looking for Sting. It was really corny. I gotta be honest. Really, really corny. Um, but they were just looking all throughout the backstage area as the show, you know, throughout the show, calling out for Sting. And of course, um, they never they never found him. Um, and it came to a head when Matthew and Nicholas came out and they, you know, there was a bunch of people with Sting masks on in the front row Um impersonating fans i don't know if they were fans or not but i know some of them were plants there was one specific plant known as darby allen who was in a sting mask he unmasked and then you know punched matthew and nicholas right across the face hopped over the barricade they started duking it out but of course the numbers game would overwhelm uh darby allen 
and they started beating the brakes off of Darby. Ric Flair would come out, and I mean, this is AEW just they really convolute a lot of things. Like they made it seem in the previous episode, like Ric Flair was gonna start aligning with Matthew and Nicholas, which I actually thought would have been a good idea. I even said, "Oh, it looks like you know Ric Flair is gonna start to manage the Bucks, and perhaps at Revolution, Sting will lock in the Scorpion Deathlock one last time on Ric Flair, you know, at the end of the show or something like that." But no, of course, already a week later, Ric Flair swerves. And turns on the Bucks, you know, and so then the Bucks start beating up on Ric Flair, and then they exit the ring, and then down comes Sting, descending from the rafters like he did back in the day in WCW. And that was iconic, actually. I mean, not 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 that dynamite, but I'm talking about in WCW, it was iconic, his entrance, when he'd come down from the rafters, man. Um, you know, just a spectacular visual, as was the episode of Dynamite, how it closed, man, with Sting coming down. I thought the Young Bucks, you know, slowly turning around on the stage was kind of corny, but I get why it needed to be done, you know, because in my head when I'm watching, I'm like, why couldn't the Bucks have been in the ring, you know, or, or right there when Sting was descending down? Um, that way he could start punching them as soon as he lands. But I figured, you know what, that would be dangerous because he still has that harness on and he's need to, he needs to take that harness off, um, you know, and people need to assist him, you know, so it would look kind of dumb, actually. So I get why they had to do it, but it looked corny to me. Just the young bucks on stage looking at each other and then slowly turning around, you know, while Sting's music had already been playing for a while. <laughs> And then they barely act like they heard it, you know, when Sting already landed. And then they turn around and, you know, so it is what it is. But I get why they had to do it. But it was a nice little chef's kiss mwah, to see Sting once again descend from the top of the arena like back in the day. And beat the brakes off of Matthew and Nicholas as we head into tonight's AEW Revolution. So overall, man, um, not even that could save what was a very mediocre show. I gotta be honest, guys. Dynamite is just not very entertaining to me anymore. It's really not. And MJF being gone is really being felt, if you know what I mean. Like, I could, like, he is very missed. Very, very, very missed. As is Kenny Omega to a, to a smaller degree. But MJF, man, wow. You, you, you don't realize what you got until it's gone. You know, wise words that apply very much so to this case. Because I didn't realize how much impact MJF had on the shows. And, and, and how, how much of the reason me watching the shows was because of him. Because now that MJF ain't there, I find myself not really looking forward to Dynamite. And being very underwhelmed now when I do watch it's just not very entertaining. It was a very mediocre episode of Dynamite. The pay-per-view should deliver. Because that's AEW's bread and butter. Is their pay-per-views. They, they sometimes... Actually, they over-deliver sometimes. To be... Uh, most of the time. To be quite honest. You know, when you're talking about 14, 13 matches on the show. And 
just banger after banger after banger like dude not every single match needs to be a five star Meltzer driver fucking fight forever type of thing you know let us breathe a little bit but nonetheless AEW Revolution is gonna be far superior to this past episode of Dynamite which was the go home show not a very good show very mediocre Let's move on to AEW Revolution popping off tonight. Alright, so here is the full lineup as per cagesideseats.net or .com, Tony Khan's favorite website. Um, oh, I think it's Cage Match, right? But nonetheless, this is the full lineup as of this website. Uh, Sting and Darby Allin versus the Young Bucks in a Tornado Tag Match. For the AEW World Tag Team Championships in what will be Sting's farewell match. Samoa Joe defends the AEW World title against Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page in a three-way match. Tony Storm defends the AEW Women's Championship against La Virtuosa, Diana Purrazzo. I'm very high on that girl for the AEW Women's Championship. Orange Cassidy defends the international title, or as I call it, the Orange Cassidy title against Roderick Strong. Eddie Kingston defends <laughs> all these titles, bro. Eddie Kingston defends the Continental Crown Championship against Brian Danielson. Christian Cage defends the TNT Championship to Daniel Garcia. FTR and Black. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club duke it out. Blackpool Combat Club in this match consisting of John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli duking it out with FTR. Like if we haven't seen this match already on Dynamite like four times already. Uh, nonetheless, we have the no bread, no water, all meat match. The eight-man scramble consisting of Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Chris Jericho, Hook, Brian Cage, Magnus, Dante Martin in an all-star scramble match for a future AEW world title match. Um, this was supposed to be the the meat, the meat madness match or some shit that they had to cancel and instead inserted this into the fray. Kanosuke Takeshita. And Will Ospreay of the Don Callis family having a little civil war here. Friendly fire. This is going to be a matchup that's really just a fantasy match for Tony Khan to get off to. Um, and then we have Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale. I'm very high on Willow Nightingale. Taking on Sky Blue and Julia Hart. Also very high on Julia Hart. And finally the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Consisting of Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, and Jay White taking on the team of Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, Jay Lethal, Willie Mack, and Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn, respectively. So I'm going to go ahead and attempt to give some predictions on this match card. I don't know what is going to be the zero hour pre-show matches. I'm assuming it's going to be like the first three or four matches. So I'm going to work my way from the bottom up. Now, the first match that I'm going to talk about is the Bang Bang Scissor Gang match. Taking on Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, Jay Lethal, Willie Mack in private party. Uh, Bang Bang Scissor Gang are going to win this match. 
And, you know, everybody's saying Jay White is so much better than this. Bro, fuck Jay White. The acclaimed are better than this. And the acclaimed should not be in a trio with daddy ass. Um, they should be just a tag team like they were. They were perfectly fine. But because scissor me, daddy ass, because that got over, Tony Khan had to put the trio's titles on them so they could scissor each other with those really stupid looking titles. That's all this is about. The acclaimed are better than this. And yeah, one could say that um, Switchblade, Jay White, is also better than this as well. But I'm picking Bang Bang Scissor Gang to defeat Jeff Jarrett and his goons. Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale will face Sky Blue and Julia Hart. I believe Julia Hart is still the TBS women's champ, so it's interesting that she's not defending her title on this show. I mean, Tony Khan loves him some title belts being defended, you know, on every single show. So I I, I uh I don't really know who to pick in this match because I, I could see Chris and Willow winning just so that it can set up either of those two going after Julia Hart's TBS title next. But on the flip side, Sky Blue, everybody is so high on Sky Blue's ass. <laughs> and Julia Hart is doing great work and she is a champion right now. So it would make sense for them to actually win because they both have <laughs> a lot of things going for them. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, um, and I, I, I should have paid attention. I, well, I didn't want to. I don't have to. But I should have paid attention to the angle on Dynamite between these ladies uh, to see how it was built. And I could have gave a better prediction. But I did not. And sorry, not sorry. It's just none of this stuff really interests me that much. I'm going to go ahead and pick the champ, Julia Hart, to win this match, man. Um, I know that. Chris Statlander or Willow Nightingale winning could be a nice pathway to a TBS title feud. Um, but just for the sake of being a fan of Julia Hart, um, and I, I could get behind Sky Blue as well, <laughs> literally. But because I'm a fan of Julia Hart, I'm going to pick Julia Hart to win this match by hook or crook, defeating Willow Nightingale, perhaps. Konosuke Takeshita versus Will Ospreay. This is easy. This is a no-brainer. Will Ospreay is going to win. He's not going to lose his first match as an official AEW wrestler, officially. You know, this is his very first. Obviously, he's wrestled under the AEW banner before, but as an outsider, as an NJPW guy. But now he is officially all elite. So he's not going to lose this match. Not a chance. So Will Ospreay should and will go over. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't. Now in this clusterfuck match, 8-man scramble. I'm going to need some time to think about this. Um, I know Wardlow has like this yet another comeback redemption character arc thing going for him. But I, like I said in the last episode, I am sick and tired of Wardlow. And I, I really, I just don't care about Wardlow anymore. And it's not his fault. Uh, it, poor guy. It's not the guy's fault. It's how he's been booked. And he has been done a disservice to for far too long. 
when Wardlow's contract officially comes up, he needs to jump across the street to WWE. Because they will know what to do with this man. Unlike AEW. And I hate to say that. It sounds like I'm a WWE shill or something, right? But I'm not. I couldn't even tell you the last time I watched Monday Night Raw in its entirety. I am not one of those guys. I'm just saying. Wardlow is just not suitable. for. He's not compatible with AEW style of wrestling. He's a big guy. He's a muscle head. AEW loves skinny guys who can do flips and run around and, you know... So, I'm going to go with Powerhouse Hobbs to win this match. And I know him winning is probably unlikely, but that's my pick. I would love Powerhouse Hobbs to win this match, and then he could feud with Swerve Strickland for the title, which would be dope. But I think Hobbs is long overdue for a major push. They've been start and stop, start and stop, starting and stopping with Powerhouse Hobbs. They need to give him a nice, consistent, major push. And this match could perhaps be, you know, the, uh, I don't know what you call the, uh, (laughs) this match could propel him into that. You know, it could be the conduit (laughs) that propels Powerhouse Hobbs forward. So I really have no idea who's going to win this match. I'm just... You know, shooting in the dark, and I'm gonna pick Powerhouse Hobbs because that's my boy right there. He he deserves a lot better than what he's been given in AEW thus far, as as a lot of others as well. FTR versus Blackpool Combat Clubs, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. Now, given the results of the last couple of episodes of Dynamite, specifically the last one this past Wednesday, you would think. That FTR should win this match. But given the history of how FTR has been booked, I, I just don't know. You know, um, I don't know if it's because FTR were friends with CM Punk and CM Punk is now like, you know, enemy number one to AEW stands and to AEW itself. I don't know if that's why they've been blacklisted and have been booked very poorly. <sighs> but they should win this match. You know, and I and I like John Moxley to a degree, and I love Claudio Castagnoli. Have a lot of respect for that guy, but FTR should win this match, so I'm gonna go with them. But I I really wouldn't be surprised if Blackpool Combat Club win this match. You know, and if FTR does win, watch it be like a, a fuck finish or something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'm gonna pick FTR. Christian Cage, my dad, my dad, Christian Cage, is defending the TNT strap to Daniel Garcia. Well, I don't, you know, let me let me, let me say it right now. <laughs> I don't know why AEW is so high on Daniel Garcia. I don't get it. Um, guys like Daniel Garcia, Orange Cassidy. Um, who, who, Darby Allen? I mean, I kind of get Darby Allen. He is a unique cat, but like Daniel Garcia is so vanilla, bro. I don't care if he does that funny dance. You know, he's kind of have he kind of has a catchy theme song, but there he's not championship material. He's not, bro. In WWE, Daniel Garcia would be a jobber straight up. You know, I I don't I don't know what they see in this guy. I really don't, um, but they have, you know, Tony Khan has a hard on 
for Daniel Garcia for whatever reason. I'm picking Christian Cage, my dad, to win this match. You know, I don't I don't see how he's going to lose to Daniel Garcia unless Edge comes out. Adam Copeland, excuse me, comes out and causes some fuckery. That would be stupid as hell. Um, Christian Cage should go over Daniel Garcia and retain that TNT title. Eddie Kingston defending his <laughs> Continental Crown Champion. AEW Championship Z. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. AEW Championship Z. He's defending against Brian Danielson. And I'm predicting Eddie Kingston to go over. Uh, because... I can see they're trying to push him now. They're trying to do right by him. Even though his time really was like fucking three years ago. Two to three years ago was really his time. When they should have really t- taken advantage of the Players Tribune article that moved so many people. Even non-wrestling fans were talking about it. And he had so much heat, you know. That was the time to do it. But they didn't. And now they're trying to pick up the scraps and, and do what they can with Eddie Kingston. And that's fine. I'm going to pick Eddie Kingston to go over Brian Danielson as Brian is winding down from his wrestling career as he himself has stated. Orange Cassidy defending the Orange Cassidy Championship to against Roderick Strong. I'm going to go with Roderick Strong to win this match. And I'm, and I'm actually surprising myself by making this pick because Orange Cassidy is like the John Cena of AEW. He's like the Roman Reigns of AEW. I mean, this man rarely loses. Um, he is booked so strong and so heavily protected. And even when he does lose, it's usually like a fluke loss. He's never defeated in a, in a really convincing way. Like he, He's like John Cena of AEW is Orange Cassidy like the John Cena from 2007 to 2011 you know Super Cena you know that's that's Super Cassidy man Orange Cassidy but I'm gonna pick Roderick Strong just because he's part of the Undisputed Kingdom and I think they're trying their hardest to get this faction over and they're not trying hard enough quite frankly they could try hard enough but nothing's gonna get these guys over you know, they're just a bunch of nerds. They're they're not like menacing looking dudes. They're they don't they're not cool type of heels either, like NWO. They have nothing going for them. Um, but I'm gonna pick Roderick Strong to take the title off of Orange Cassidy. And this will perhaps be the beginning of the Undisputed Kingdom, you know, eyeing all the title belts and trying to please their leader, who is currently on crutches. Adam Cole. Tony Storm defends the AEW women's title against Diana Purrazzo. Now, I love Diana Purrazzo, and I always have, even before she signed with AEW. And, and I was so excited for her when she was with WWE, and they had her come out on Monday Night Raw and job to, like, Dana Brooke or some bullshit like that. I don't remember who she jobbed to. It might have been Nia Jax or something. And she deserves so much better. And she's made a name for herself in Impact Wrestling and ROH. She's a tremendous women's wrestler. A very beautiful woman, too. She is gorgeous. Um, I, I love Diana Purrazzo. I really do. But as much as I do, I believe Tony Storm must retain the women's title. Because Tony Storm needs to hold on to that strap 
as long as she can until Jamie Hayter comes back. Because that's the scrap we all want to see. You know, we've seen it before and they have a history together, which makes it all the more interesting. But Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm for the women's title, that is money. Put that at Wembley. See how that does at Wembley. Are you kidding me? Jamie Hayter winning the title off of Tony Storm at Wembley Stadium. All in, bro. That is money. So I love Diana Purrazzo probably more than anybody else. But Tony Storm, I'm picking her to retain the title. Samoa Joe defending the AEW Championship against Swerve and Hangman Adam Page. And, you know, it just dawned on me right now. I'm looking at this card. And I don't know if this is the official match order that's going to be presented on the, the live broadcast. But if this is, this is telling me that there is not going to be a title change. Because the championship match is not the main event. At least according to CagesideSeats.com. Um... Sting and Darby Allen versus the Bucks for the tag titles is the main event on this website. And again, if that's the official match order, then something is telling me, well, that is telling me that Samoa Joe is going to retain his title tonight. And that is ridiculous. But I could see it. I mean, listen, uh, I mean, if Samoa Joe retains by choking out Hangman, then Swerve has his right to pursue a singles bout with Samoa Joe, which could culminate at the next pay-per-view. So I could see that. I mean, that is smart booking. You don't want to do things too fast. You don't want to, you know, you want to let things marinate a little bit. So, yeah, you know what, guys? I'm going to pick Samoa Joe to retain his title, much to my chagrin, because I really, really want to see Swerve win the title. I was saying it, that Swerve should have been the devil. And the, you know, the embassy should have been his goons. The swerve should have been the devil. And one of the goons, too, could have been, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pakistani dude? What's his name? That that was a free agent around that time, too. Um, uh, Muhammad Ali? <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> Not Muhammad Ali. But uh, but anyway, anyway, I digress. Um, Samoa Joe is going to retain. I, I think it's... More than likely, um, but if Swerve does win the title, I will be very, very pleased because it's his time. His time is now. Sting and Darby Allen, Sting's farewell match, defending the tag titles to the Young Bucks in a Tornado Tag Match. This one is, is a little tricky because, you know, everybody knows that in professional wrestling, it's tradition. That when a wrestler is on his way out, before he leaves, he's going to put someone else over on his way out. That's just tradition. But sometimes tradition doesn't apply when you are an icon like Sting. When you're an icon like Undertaker. You know, um, you, can, you, you have that right to retire on top without a defeat. You know, without going out on a loss. So... I could see this match going either or. I could see Sting uh, retain. And I could also see him put over the Bucks, man. I mean, they certainly need it right now. Because these guys, 
you know, there's a lot of AEW nerds on the AEW subreddit that are like, oh, I don't understand why people are hating on the Young Bucks heel turn and what they're doing. Like, you know, they're 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 trying to reinvent themselves and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something about the Young Bucks right now. Matthew and Nicholas. And, and I like what they're trying to do. I, I get what they're trying to do and I like it. But the way it's being executed, it doesn't make me hate them as heels. It makes me just annoyed with them to a point where I don't want to see them on TV. Like, I don't even want to go to a show to see them get beat up or to boo them. I don't just, I just don't want to see them. You understand what I'm saying? Like, go away heat. It's not real heat, not real heel heat. It's more like go away. Like, you nerds are just not relevant. Um, you guys haven't done nothing relevant since putting over Lucha Bros at All Out 2021. That's the last relevant thing they did. Um, you know, these guys just, they're not doing it for me. So they need everything they can get right now. So Sting putting them over would be, uh, would be a right thing to do. But because this looks like it's main eventing, I don't think they're going to send the fans home like that. Seeing Sting lose and what, then just bow out. I don't know. This is a very difficult one to pick. I got to be honest. I got to think about this one. And it's also wondering too if like Ric Flair is going to have some shenanigans in this match or not. If he's going to, you know, I, I, I hope Ric Flair is not really a big part of this match. I hope he's just watching like everybody else. Or at least, or maybe he comes out at the end of the match to sing Sting's praises. But I hope he's not a big, intricate part of this matchup. Which I don't think he will. I really don't. But damn, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to see Sting put the Scorpion Deathlock on Flair one last time. <laughs> That's why I was liking that he was aligning himself with the Young Bucks. But they already threw that away, so... Because if Sting and Darby win, and Sting's retiring, well, they just vacate the tag titles, you know? And um, either that or Darby Allen has to find a partner. I don't know what they would do in this situation. <sighs> but you know what, man? I, I mean, I hate to do this. I hate myself for doing this. But I'm actually going to pick the Young Bucks to win this match. And I and I hate I hate the fact that I'm doing this. But I, I'm gonna have to roll with the young bucks. Just because it makes the most sense. You know, when I sit back and think about it, all the pros and cons of either or result, it's just heavily in the young bucks' favor. Like it just makes the most sense. These guys need it. Um, they need to get over as heels right now. What better way to get over as heels than to being the guys that retire Sting on his back for the one, two, three as they take the straps away from Sting and young Darby Allen? I mean, that's that's heel heat city and that's pro wrestling 101. It's tradition. The guy going out has to put someone else over. That's tradition, although traditions were meant to be broken, I suppose. Um but I, I look at the pros of Sting and Darby retaining, and they're there. I mean, it would give 
the fans such a feel-good moment there with a lot of history that Sting has with Flair there in North Carolina. And, you know, I could see, you know, the celebration there, confetti perhaps. I don't know what they're going to, I don't know what their presentation is going to be like for Sting's farewell. If it's going to be similar to WWE send-offs where, like, they just, they don't even play the music. They just let the fans chant, thank you, Sting, as he walks off. I don't know how they're going to do it, but, I mean, Sting winning, I could see a nice touch with a celebration there and everything. And then they have to vacate the titles, which would be kind of interesting, I suppose. But, nah, man, the pros for the Bucks winning just outweigh the pros for Sting and Darby retaining. They just outweigh it. it and, and it's not even about that. It just it just makes the most sense. So at the end of the day, I'm going to roll with the Young Bucks. So there you have it. AEW Revolution popping off tonight. 7 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Pacific. And of course, the Zero Hour Pre-Show will stream free on YouTube but you got to order the main show, Daddy. AEW Revolution. And you know, this pay-per-view right here is, is very much so known for delivering. Even more so than the other pay-per-views. I mean, all AEW pay-per-views deliver. But Revolution specifically is, is always putting out bangers. Really classic pay-per-views. So, so I'm not going to lie, man. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little hyped. Um, in spite of the... Uh, the, the the mediocre episodes of Dynamite that I that I watched last Wednesday anyway, um, but I am hyped and I I hope that it's a good show. But before I get out of here, I'm gonna do a little talking boxing because we got some cheese me to talk about in the world of pugilism. So the Canelo saga continues, as it was reported by Dan Raphael that. Al Heyman, before splitting with PBC, Al uh, Canelo, before Canelo split with PBC, Al Heyman did offer a forty million deal to Canelo to fight Jermall Charlo. He did, but he had an incentive in place that if he fights Charlo, he has to fight Benavides immediately after. That's the only way he would pay that forty million that Canelo wanted. For the Jamal fight. As if he agreed to sign a contract to fight Benavides as his very next fight. And that was the deal breaker for Canelo. And that is embarrassing. And we got a lot of embarrassing stuff to talk about besides Canelo too. Because I watched that Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney... Los Angeles press conference that popped off last week and I I got mad secondhand embarrassment after watching Ryan Garcia's behavior him and his pops and his mom shouting from the crowd like bro I was just so embarrassed like I felt like I was there and I was I got mad secondhand embarrassment so we'll talk about that after this but as far as Canelo man um now there's reports that Canelo is having issues with Eddie Hearn matchroom because Eddie Hearn is suggesting Canelo fight Munguia since Munguia is coming off of an impressive knockout victory 
um, you know, they want to keep the pot hot and have Canelo fight Munguia after that impressive performance. And Canelo's having issues with that. Canelo wants to fight Berlanga, Puerto Rican cat, who has done nothing to deserve a fight with Canelo. Nothing. And, you know, listen, man. I, I I have a I used to have a lot of respect for Canelo. I was a Canelo fan. Um, it took me a while to warm up and become a Canelo fan, but I became one. But now I'm listening to other Canelo fans and how they're defending him and his actions right now. And their main narrative is that hey, listen, Canelo has nothing left to prove. He's already made history and done so much, and he's at a winding down period of his career. So it is justified that he'd rather fight cats like Berlanga and Jermall Charlo instead of going after the the dangerous up-and-coming lions, you know, because he's winding down and he has nothing left to prove. Well, here's my thing. Fucking retire. If, If you're at that point where you have nothing left to do, then you have to retire. Because you're you're really going to fight a bunch of scrubs just to make the bag, just to get the bag and and do a disservice to so many people that support you, you know, and rob people of their money. Because Canelo fans will blindly pay for any pay-per-view that Canelo's a part of. He's he's on that level now. He's on an Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather type of level, you know. Um, he has his fanboys and fangirls. They're all fangirls, really. And, and they will follow him into the fire in whatever fight he does. And that is a mad disservice to boxing fans to do that. So if you feel like you're at a point where you have nothing left to prove, then you have to retire. Because we don't want to see you fight Jermall Charlo. We don't want to see you fight Berlanga. It's either David Benavides or a rematch with Bivol. You know what I'm saying? That's Those are the fights. And then you retire. Win or lose. But to, to opt out of contracts and to choose inferior opposition is not only a bitch-ass move, but it's also a stain. It's also a tarnishing of what was an incredible legacy. And that's just my opinion. Now, I know Canelo stands would eat me up like a bag of Doritos if I said this on Twitter. X. But I'm saying it here on my platform that Canelo has left a little stain on his legacy. It's like I said in the last episode, man. This is like when Floyd Mayweather retired. In 2008, 2007, whenever it was, for that short period of time, he quote-unquote retired when Antonio Margarito was his mandatory. And he had a bunch of other up-and-coming cats at that time, too, in that division. Just embarrassing, dog. Canelo is, he's the new Floyd Mayweather. He's the new Floyd Mayweather. Just cherry-picking and making all these excuses and, and opting out of contracts and and you know doing circles man with the boxing media running around you know doing the run around embarrassing i never thought i'd see a day when a mexican boxer stoops to that low of a level and one as 
great as Canelo. Very disappointed. <laughs> Very disappointed. So we'll see what happens. Um, Jaime Munguia or Berlanga. I don't even know that fool's first name. But Munguia, Berlanga. Those are the likely two candidates to face Canelo in this uh, May Cinco de Mayo weekend for boxing. That's always been big in boxing. Because Mexicans actually pay for the fights. We love boxing. And we'll see what happens. But um, I'm very, very disappointed in Canelo Alvarez. And speaking of disappointed, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about Ryan Garcia. Because he's got a big bout coming up against Devin Haney in a couple of months going down on 420. And you want to talk about 420. I think Ryan Garcia, um, he, he must really celebrate 420 religiously, given his behavior at that last press conference in Los Angeles. To say that I got secondhand embarrassment from Ryan is an understatement. Quite frankly, I'm, I'm kind of worried about Ryan. Like, I think, I think there's something actually wrong with the kid. And I'm not just talking about because of his behavior there, but I, I seen an interview with him. I think it was on The Breakfast Club, on The Breakfast Club with Charmelaine, The God and all them. Um, I, he said something about about having like like almost suicidal thoughts or something like that, like being super depressed and feeling out of it not too long ago. Um and then somebody just pulled him aside and started talking to him, gave him some words of wisdom, and that that shook it off, you know, and he, he came back strong, but I don't think he came back strong, judging by his behavior at this past press conference. And then he wants to go ahead and leak old sparring footage of Devin Haney sparring with Tank and getting rocked. Like, bro, Tank knocked you out, bro, on pay-per-view. <laughs> After you talked mad shit about how you were going to knock his ass out, how you were going to, I forgot what he said. He was going to break his rib or something, make him need stitches and this and that. And then this motherfucker took a knee like a Puerto Rican boxer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and quit. No mas. And he's going to leak old sparring footage of Devin Haney getting tagged up by Tang. Bro. That is pathetic, dog. That is pathetic. I'm going to just say it, bro. And, and you know what? I had a lot of hopes for Ryan Garcia to be the next face of boxing. Um, I had a lot of hope for him because he is a charismatic cat to a degree. He's a good-looking cat. And he does have some abilities. You know, I mean, he's very quick. He's got quick hands and knockout power in that left. But... He is not mentally stable enough to carry the torch for boxing. And I don't think he ever will become stable enough to carry that torch. And the reason I'm saying that is because I, I think Ryan's problem is that he is too invested in the social media life. You know, he's got over 10 million followers on Instagram. I could only imagine how many followers he has on X. And he's all into 
money and women and and the social media stuff and all that stuff is cool don't get me wrong i'm not disparaging any of that i mean if i had a lot of money i'd be the same way probably (laughs) but but that is not the mentality to be a champion in boxing And, and not just be a champion but to be the face of boxing you cannot indulge in any of those extracurricular activities you know um so, Devin Haney, I'm predicting Devin Haney to beat the brakes off of Ryan Garcia. <laughs> and if I eat crow, I'll gladly eat it. But that's my official prediction. Even though the fight is still a couple of months out. Uh, or not even. It's, a, it's one month away. Oh, shit. April is next. Damn. Time is going by way too quick. Good Lord. Man. Um, but anyway... Uh, the fight is a month away, but I'm already going to give you an early prediction. Devin Haney is going to beat the brakes off of Ryan Garcia. And Devin Haney came out to that press conference looking like a low budget blade. I don't know what the, someone in the comments said he was, he, he came out paying tribute to Tupac, you know, in that bulletproof vest. It came out to you know, uh, California Love, or I don't know what song he came out to, but, you know, because the press conference was in L.A., I get that, Uh, but nah, bro, don't ever do that again, (laughs) he looked like a low-budget blade, like he was, uh, it was Halloween, you know, and that was his best blade costume, with those glasses and everything, nah, bro, sit down, knock it off, you know, we don't need none of that, and Ryan Garcia was even worse. Ryan Garcia looked like he was having a midlife crisis in his 20s. It was a shit show. This entire press conference. His dad uh, made a kind of a racist comments, you know, because uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, well, I, Devin Haney's dad, you know, said, look at look at his toupee talking about Ryan Garcia's dad. And then Ryan Garcia's dad said, at least I don't have a nappy hair like Don King. Sit down, Don King. <laughs> bro, bro, that was, I'm telling you, the secondhand embarrassment that I got was through the roof. I was clenching my booty cheeks. It was so cringe and embarrassing. And then on top of that, you had Ryan Garcia's mom in the audience yelling shit, like acting ghetto, dog. Like, yelling stuff. You know, Devin Haney even had to tell her, like, Miss, Miss, can you sit down and let me talk? Like, I mean, the fact that the low-budget Blade-looking ass was the most professional up there on stage is fucking embarrassing, dog. That's embarrassing, you know, on on the Mexican-American people. Me as a Mexican-American, I was embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. You know, and and that's not what you want to be. You know, uh, Ryan Garcia's father and his comments. You know, that was that was a, a low blow. You know, at least I don't have a nappy hair like Don King. Come on, bro. That was a low blow. That would be like if uh, that would be like if they if Devin Haney said, "Oh, at least we didn't have to cross the border to be here," or some something like that. I don't know. That's probably a dumb idea, uh, a dumb comparison, but something like that. Like, that was a low blow. A low blow. That's not needed. And unwarranted. You know what I mean? He should have just... You know, if he wanted to make a good comeback, he should have just ripped on Devin Haney looking like like a Walmart version of Blade. Like a Dollar General brand Blade. 
You know, that would have been cool. But to stoop to that low of a level is embarrassing. So, man, I got to say, man, in Mexican boxing right now, Mexican and Mexican-American boxing is is really, uh, it's taking the low road right now. You know, like, it's it's embarrassing right now, man, With between Canelo opting out of the Benavides fight and now Ryan Garcia and his whole family wilding out at press conferences, acting like a fool. And I didn't even touch on Ryan kind of... Like, he was talking weird. He didn't look in his best shape. Like, the fight is just weeks away. You know? Like, a, like you know, it's a few weeks away. And he doesn't even look like he's in the best ring shape right now. His cheeks looked all swollen. Um, you, I mean, you had uh, Mario Lopez in the house looking like he was coked out of his mind. <laughs> he started whispering shit to De La Hoya and grinning and shit i don't know what was going on dog this this whole press conference felt like a fever dream like it was just weird weird as hell and when devin haney suggested that ryan garcia might not even show up because there has been rumors that ryan kind of wants to pull out of this fight because he wants to fight in vegas and not at the barclays center in new york devin haney pressed ryan about that you know, saying, oh, let's see if Ryan even shows up on April 20th. Ryan Garcia stayed quiet. Had no rebuttal. And he started playing some weirdo game on his cell phone that was super loud. I don't even know what the hell it's called. I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't know what else to say, quite frankly. I, I don't even know what else to say. All I know is, after watching this... <laughs> My official prediction, going down April 20th, Ryan Garcia, King Rye, quote-unquote, facing on Devin, the Dream Haney. The dream is going to turn into a nightmare for Ryan Garcia that night. I'm picking Devin Haney to win the bout. And it's probably going to be by way of stoppage. I don't know the specifics of the result. I'm not very good at that. Uh, whether it's going to be a decision, a knockout, technical knockout. But I, 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 either way, either or, I'm predicting Devin Haney to beat the brakes <laughs> off of Ryan Garcia come April 20th. So that's going to do it for the highlight reel, y'all. I want to thank you very much for joining me this Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a big night tonight. AW Revolution popping off. And thank you for tuning in to Talking Boxing, the last segment of the show. Live life on cruise control, because sometimes you get farther when you take it slow. Amachi.